From years of anxiety to warrior and mentor, Bradley Robinson created the Anxiety Project to help you end your anxiety naturally. Let's mold the new you and let's end anxiety together. Hello and welcome to episode number 116 of the Anxiety Project podcast. I am Brad Robinson. This is a Q&A podcast episode, so I'm answering your questions. Some questions include, what is the shadow? Because I talk about that sometimes on my YouTube videos, so I'll, this is an opportunity, since you asked, to expand on the shadow, which is going to be really uh, important and interesting. Also, what is life like for Brad during COVID-19? And then I'm answering what did an anxiety setback look like for you and what did you do? Before I get into those questions, I want to go over your comments on last week's podcast episode 115, which was about the acronym STAY. And it's really important that you re-listen to the podcast, that you ingrain that information and apply the acronym to PANIC because you're then working with your anxiety systems rather than working against them. Because the more you show resistance to your anxiety systems, the more your anxiety just heightens and gets worse. So re-listen to the episode, apply the acronym, and your anxiety and panic will lessen over time the more you implement them. And so Joe comments, I suffer from panic attacks from time to time. They are debilitating. Your podcast has helped me gain more control over them. The acronym used in this episode is going right into my back pocket. Loved the episode. Thank you, Joe, for your comment. Um, yes, keep listening um, because it, it's easy to l listen one time and then forget, right? So write notes, write down the acronym on paper, ingrain the information because it's a tool. It's a tool for your tool belt. M underscore 77 says, it's amazing how each panic attack seems totally different. You think this is the one that's going to finally do me in. Then I always flee, not knowing I am only making things worse. Great episode. I totally agree with you. Each panic attack that I had in my past uh, felt totally different. I always thought that. I always thought this is the one. I, oh my God. But underneath the surface, they're all the same to some degree, right? Manuel comments, it's time, or sorry, it's true that you become the hero of your own story when you face the thing that has been haunting you. Brad, you really speak to me and continue to do this show, Life Changing. Yeah, so when you go through recovery, you begin to face, which I will get into in this episode, the, 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 the monsters, I guess you could say, the dragons that you have been pushing away for so long, and it's really painful, but you look at yourself from a di totally different perspective, you become stronger mentally and you gain a lot more respect for yourself, 
when you confront these monsters and overcome them, because at that point, you then realize I'm capable of much more than I thought I was. Really powerful. Thank you, Manuel, for your comment. Let's get into this podcast episode with question number one coming from Jasper. He says, can you please talk more about the shadow? And gladly, because I do talk about the shadow somewhat briefly in my YouTube videos, but here I want to get into it a little bit more. So what is the shadow? Now it comes from Carl Jung, who is a a psychologist who I admire greatly. And it's the deep parts of ourselves that we don't want to confront the monsters, right? Lurking under the surface in the depths of the ocean. It's like the Jaws poster, right? The big head of Jaws coming up from the depths and the woman is swimming on the surface, the monsters under the surface that we don't want to, don't want to confront, right? And so the unconscious mind suppresses highly emotional memories that we don't want to deal with. So you can view the water, right, in that Jaws poster as the unconscious mind under the surface, but then the shark represents a traumatic moment in your life. It could be something, a fear, right, that you you you, you ignore, but the, the shark keeps growing and growing. It, it turns from a baby shark to a really big shark, and then it devours the whole town, right? So if you ignore it long enough, it grows and grows. So under un, in that unconscious mind, there's, there's probably many, many sharks there, and there were for me, that there were so many sharks, so much baggage, that when I, was, when I hit 25, I was completely flattened because everything just bubbled up. You can never, never, ever get away from those past traumas. They will always be with you unless you confront them. But we are not taught how. I was never taught how to confront them. And that's the problem with today's educational system. We're not taught how to confront these problems because we have to. And so that means we have to learn more about the unconscious mind because the unconscious mind is where, well, at first it makes up almost 95% of who we are. Everything is run unconsciously. Our habits, our values come from our unconscious beliefs. All of our repressed and suppressed traumatic moments, embarrassing moments, anything that is highly emotional is stored within our unconscious mind memories. And so when you recover from anxiety, you always go to a worse place first before you get better. So when you're coping, it's painful, right? Because you're in this coping uh, anxious identity and you stay there and it's painful. But when you stay there, you're manifesting the negatives of life all the time because those people tend to say, why do all of these negative things happen to me? Why do I always end up in negative relationships? But they're, they, they're staying stagnant in this loop, right? And so 
when you start the recovery process, you have to then start to confront those sharks underneath the, the surface. And that's extremely painful, but you have to confront them in order to release the baggage, release that suppressed, highly emotional memory so that you can, so you, so that you can feel lighter, right? You, you release it and your mindset shifts, but not for the better, right? You start to view yourself as somebody able to like the Cain and Abel story, able, he's able to overcome the, the challenges because he's making the right sacrifices. And you look at yourself from a different perspective and you gain so much more self-respect when you confront those uh, dragons because the, the unconscious is holding on to them because it hasn't figured out the, the problem yet, right? So if you walk into a hole, that memory is going to be at the forefront of your mind, right? Because your unconscious is like, I don't want to walk into that hole again. So pay attention, pay attention and learn the lesson. So when, when you learn the lesson, how not to walk into a hole again, your unconscious releases it because you, you finally understand what happened exactly. And so if a negative emotion is more than a year old and it still causes you some distress. That means you haven't solved the problem yet. It's still there, right? So if there was an embarrassing moment when you were 10 years old and, and it, it still comes to the forefront of your mind, even today, 10 years later, 20 years later, however long, that means you haven't understood what happened and learned the lesson and, and figured it out. And so Carl Jung says the shadow can reach all the way down to hell. And we can end up in that hell if we remain in our brooding, resentful state. If we entertain those negative thoughts long enough, we can be brought into this deep hell. And I'm sure you've been there. I've been there before. And so if, if you slip, if you slip, right, you can end up in hell. And you can see this in the Cain and Abel story because Cain is that person who remains there entertaining the negative thoughts, stays in that loop. But Abel, he's making the right sacrifices to God and God favors him. And instead, instead of Cain saying, oh, I want to emulate the, the qualities of Abel that have been serving him rightly, right? Uh, that have been serving him appropriately. Like, because Abel's making the right sacrifices, he's acting in a way that's he's manifesting the positives in life and in Cain, he's not making the, the, the right sacrifices. He makes a half-ass sacrifice. And so God is like, oh, no, I don't want your sacrifice. I, I, I'm, I'm just going to take Abel's. 
And so instead of Cain learning the lessons and, and really thinking about, you know, how can I change my aim? How can I change my habits so that I can be like Abel? Cain stays in that brooding state. And then he kills Abel. He kills his, his ideal. And then he goes to a deep hell. And then God's like, well, you have to suffer the consequences. You know, your punishment, because Cain is like, my punishment is too much to bear. Because, of course, he kills his ideal. He remains in his, his brooding, his negative loop, right? Instead of con confronting the underlying sharks beneath the surface and contending with his negative patterns, he, he, he identifies more with his ego. He slips more into the shadow and, and identifies more with the shadow. And it's really powerful, really, really powerful. And you can see this in Groundhog Day too, because in Groundhog Day, Bill Murray's character, Phil, at one point in the movie, he's <clears throat> in a state of, of, of bitterness because he's reliving the same day over and over and over again, right? And he can't seem to get out of the loop. And so at, at, in the middle part of the movie, he's like, well, you know, screw it. I'm just going to give up. And so you can see him walking around in his pajamas. He He's trying to commit suicide over and over and over again in the movie. And he, 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 he gets fully consumed by the shadow. And if Phil, if he doesn't recognize his shadow, he will never get out of the loop, which is so interesting because the premise of the movie is Groundhog Day, where if the groundhog doesn't see his shadow, there's six more weeks of winter. And, it, and, and if Phil, the character, Bill Murray's character, if he doesn't see his shadow, he's not going to get out of the loop and, and, and use his shadow as a tool to awaken, right? And Russell Brand, on his podcast, Under the Skin, he, he, he mentions the this, this shadow and he says something really interesting. And he says, you know, if you hold a baby, right, and if you think of throwing the baby, hurting the baby in some way, don't be alarmed. That's just, you're, you're aware of your shadow because those thoughts are stemming from your shadow. And the shadow is a collective unconscious, meaning everybody has a shadow. That's why it's called a collective unconscious right? So everybody has these thoughts. And being aware of these negative thoughts is being aware of the shadow. And when you are aware of the shadow, then you're more likely not going to throw the baby. Just because you think it doesn't mean it's going to come true. Somebody who's more aware of the shadow is more reliable, more trustworthy than somebody who isn't. Right. And that's Bill Murray's character, right? Unless he recognizes and becomes aware of the shadow, he's just going to become consumed by it, consumed by ego, right? 
So it's important that you acknowledge where you can end up if you stop paying attention and slide into destructive patterns. And so someone who has been to hell and has got themselves out of hell, they tend to be very independent, strong, reliable, wise, and assertive. They have a strong moral foundation beneath them. And you see this in the Hobbit story, right? The Lord of the Rings. At the beginning of the story, they're just on Pleasure Island, in in the Shire, uh, you know, kind of naive and, and carefree. And after their adventure by the third book, they're, they come back wise and stronger. And they, they have contended with the, the deepest parts of hell and have overcome it. Right. So you can see a total character transformation at that point. So acknowledging your shadow is a really important part of the recovery journey because you have to confront the deepest parts of yourself, the parts that you don't want to confront, the traumas of your past. You have to confront them. There's no other way. That's why talk therapy doesn't work so well because underneath the surface of talk therapy, well, there's a lot of trauma. There's a lot of repressed, highly emotional memories that need to be dealt with. You can talk about stuff, but underneath the surface, there's a lot going on. The question number two is from Leanne. She says, what is life like for Brad during COVID-19? Well, during this time, especially in lockdown, um, I'm, I always, well, it doesn't have to be lockdown. That's the thing. I um, I'm always challenging myself. And right now I'm doing a Wim Hof challenge. So for the past two and a half weeks now, I've changed my morning routine. Uh, my morning routine before has been, uh, a journal, then meditation and then stretching, which would be about, half an hour to 45 minutes. Now my routine is over an hour, sometimes an hour and a half because now I've added on to that uh, the Wim Hof breathing. So uh, for 20 minutes, I will do deep breathing. And then after that, I'll take a freezing cold shower. And so that has been quite a challenge for me right now. So I'm always challenging myself because when you go through anxiety recovery, you realize that um, self-growth is and self-development is really important. And it it has a it, it gives you a lot of meaning in your life, right? Developing yourself, strengthening yourself, and when you go through recovery, you you develop a developing mindset. You always become interested in in the next challenge, really. And so that's what I've been doing. Also, books. Um, I've all, I'm always reading books, and right now I'm reading a book called "Letting Go" by David Hawkins, and it teaches about the power of surrendering, surrendering, like recognizing emotions, negative emotions. 
and then surrendering those negative emotions, letting them go, not giving into them because our thoughts lead to emotions. And so when you recognize the feelings, the emotions, and you let the emotions go, you're letting go of the thousands of thoughts that are linked to that emotion. Really powerful book. I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm also doing a Groundhog Day movie interpretation, which I will release, I think, in podcast parts. So the, the Groundhog Day is a really powerful movie. It's really deep. Um, and it shows the different stages of recovery, the different development, develop, developmental stages of recovery, of, 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 of getting yourself out of a negative loop. Because in the movie, you see Phil, he's stuck in this negative loop and anxiety sufferers are stuck in this negative loop. So the movie portrays how to, well, the movie really asks the really hard question and answers the hard question, how do you get out of that loop? So I'm, I'm having a, a great time writing out that interpretation. It's really, really cool. I love that movie. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. And then I'm spending a lot of quality time with Maggie. Um, uh, that's really important to me. Um, you know, it's really important that we spend that quality time. We have meaningful conversations with each other. We we really talk to each other. How are things really going? Um, like, are you having difficulties in any any in any in any way? You know, try like really communicating to each other away from the TV, away from any uh, electronics, right? Just just being with each other is really important to me. Um, I'm listening to podcasts like Russell Brand's Under the Skin. I love his podcast. He has, uh, I love his spiritual teachings, but I also love his guests that he has. And then I'm continuing doing my podcast and my videos. So that's what's been going on right now uh, during my life in quarantine. Question number three comes from Patrick. He says, what did an anxiety setback look like for you and what did you do? Now, I always, you know, I always say setbacks. Uh, I always say the word setbacks in in my videos and podcasts, but I, I want to, I, I like to see them as bumps in the road because when you have an aim, and you're you're stumbling towards that aim, you're going to be bad at it, and you are going to fail. Failure is necessary and will happen. And if if somebody came to me and said, "Oh, everything just went smoothly. I just recovered," I'm like, "No, you did. You didn't. That's impossible. Failure is always part of the journey." <clears throat> and so I had a lot of failures because. It's a stumbling forward process, and I was bad at it, right? I was just learning, and and I was a fool at it. And so, so what did a setback look like for me? Well, looking back, um, I had a lot of social anxiety, and and stuttering. When I would talk to somebody, it made me feel like I had a setback. You know, I was like, you know, I wanted to speak clearly, and uh, that, and when I would 
go go to Starbucks or go to a coffee shop and I would stutter when taking my order. Uh, I, f- I felt like I had a setback, right? I felt bad. I'm like, oh, Brad, what are you doing? How embarrassing. All these negative thoughts would pop up into my head. Um, also, I remember at retail one time, my voice cracked when I was talking to one of my assistant managers who I didn't find appealing at the time. And it, I, I felt awful about it. But I remember when I my voice cracked, I kind of... I did something really interesting where I, I I said, oh, you know, I remember one time back in high school, my voice cracked and every, all the kids laughed at me in a joking way kind of thing. And I felt like, you know, I, I made, I made a good light of the situation. Like I didn't, I didn't really fall into a state of, oh man, that was so embarrassing, Brad, why'd you do that? But I did feel like, like whenever, like, that situation happened. I felt like I had a setback in some way. And, um, because I had a a real strong social, social anxiety. And so is it really though, like a a step backwards? Is it really, is it really a setback? Cause I thought about this and I'm like, is it really a setback when, when you have a panic attack and, like, depends what it is. Like, if you have a panic attack and you run away from the environment knowing you shouldn't do that, then I would classify that as a setback. Um, I also had setbacks like, uh, you know, going back into old bad habits, old addictions, like maybe coffee or sugar or smoking weed. And then I would notice, I would notice the setback and then I would recognize it, right? And so... What I did to handle a setback, like I remember going to the orchestra with Maggie and I, I would have panic. And it, it, like in my mind, I would be like, when is this ever going away? Because this is my fifth time at the orchestra and I'm feeling severe panic. And I felt like it was a setback, but it actually wasn't a setback because I stayed. It's not like I ran away. It's not like I was engaging in bad coping strategies because when you go back to negative coping strategies that can be a setback like going to dr google is a setback which i've actually had multiple times Uh, reassurance seeking um, junk foods going back to negative addictions that you know that you shouldn't engage in is a setback. But when I was at the orchestra, I, I thought, you know, this is a setback, but it actually wasn't because I stayed there. And the more you stay in the environment, because you might have to go back to the environment like 10 times in order for your panic and anxiety to lessen. So it wasn't a setback. I was actually just desensitizing myself over a period of time. So the orchestra shows that those were not setbacks for me, even though they seemed like setbacks. Because you can you can think it that even though you have panic, even though you have anxiety, it's a setback. No, it's actually an opportunity. Right? It's an opportunity to challenge yourself. The only way it's a setback is is that you you engage in those poor coping strategies I just uh, talked about. So what I did when I had a setback where. Uh, I engaged in in an, an a, in addiction where I, I knew was 
bad for me or when I engaged in those coping strategies is I, I went right back to my role model. So I was, I was continuously listening to podcasts, listening to recovery videos and watching recovery videos of my role models. And going back to your role models is crucial. Having those people that you look up to is absolutely crucial. And I took note of my emotions <clears throat> when this setback happened. So when I, I would I would look back on the setback and I would be like, wow, I felt bad. Um, I really don't want to end up there again, right? And you see this in Groundhog Day too. Uh, points in the movie, Phil takes note, right, to himself not to do this again, right? And that's that's awareness, right? And so I, I was aware of the negative emotions that I... I felt when I would have a setback, I was like, I don't want to have these negative emotions again. I don't want to be in this situation again. So that drove, that added a lot of fuel under me to continue the recovery journey and to not be pushed backwards into the shadow, into that brood, that, that brooding, right? That, that guilt, that shame. I didn't want to be push too far back into it. So I would quickly bounce back by looking and watching my role models and asking them questions. Or if, if you can't ask them questions, just uh, watching their content. And uh, I would note my emotions as well. And then I would tell Maggie how I felt. I, I would tell her the truth. Like I, I had the setback. This is how I feel. And she would give me some comfort and words of wisdom. And and even, even expressing how I felt out loud really helped me. And because I, I was hearing myself at the same time. I was like, yeah, well, I really don't want to go back to that pattern. I really don't want to go back to that addiction, right? I feel better without it. I'm more proud of myself without it. I feel more in control without it. And so I was noticing the benefits of, of not engaging in those bad patterns. Because if you go a week, if you go a week um, without, without doing a negative habit that you know to be wrong, you've, you, you'll feel the benefits, right? If, if, you're, if you're stopping that reassurance, if you're stopping your cough, caffeine, or sugar addictions, you'll feel the benefits over time. But if you go back, you'll feel the negatives. And I think the negatives will be more enhanced when you go back. And that enhancement is a great opportunity to recognize those emotions associated with that enhancement. And then, then to recognize, oh, I really did feel better without it. Remember that week? I went a whole week without doing that. I felt really good. I want to go back to that. And so setbacks are really important. Set failures are, are necessary. And, and, and it's really important to be aware of the failures, right? And then I would also write down on the calendar day one again. Like I'd write, all right, I'm going to start again. Day one, you have to go back to square one and do it again. And this is really important too.
noting it, writing it down, and setting a small goal. All right, I'm going to go another week. I want to. I want to see if I can go a week in one day. I want to. I want to see if I I can go a week in two days. So, pushing yourself more and more is really important, and in subjecting yourself to your role models, those people who who live the lifestyle that you want to live, is really important because you begin to manifest their personality. Right. So recognize what you're subjecting yourself to. Are you watching negative Netflix shows that are promoting negative patterns that you are trying to break? Or are you watching constructive people, listening to constructive podcasts uh, of people who radiate this positive uh, develop, developing mindset persona, personality, right? And that's where I'm going to leave you on today's podcast episode I am so grateful for your questions and your comments. Remember, you can send those to me at unpluganxiety.com or on social media or on YouTube. And lastly, do not let anxiety define who you are. I'll see you on the next podcast episode. Bye for now. Brad's powerful anxiety recovery program is available at unpluganxiety.com. The Anxiety Project program is downloadable and puts the power of anxiety recovery in your own hands. What are you waiting for? Visit unpluganxiety.com for more details. Recovery starts now.